Michelle, we finally made it. We hit the big time. That's right. We're on Theme Park Thursdays with Dillo's Diz. That's so exciting. It is exciting. It's so great. Jen Dillo, Frank Dillo, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having us on. Um, honey. What? We're not really on with them live. What do you mean? They're right here. I, I connected with them. They, they told us we we're going to be talking with them. Oh, I get why you might have thought that, but actually, they were great. They invited us to participate in their podcast by giving some feedback, but they're not really here. So we're not talking with them now? No. Oh, all right. Well, that's disappointing, but hey, we're happy to be with you just the same. Absolutely. Now is the time. Forever? Mr. Morrow. Old. Hashtag always MGM. Old, old, old. The secret staircase. We always do that. You are approaching the unloading area. Behold the majesty of the Sistine Seal. For the kids. A salute to all theme parks, but mostly Walt Disney. Ha! What a cute ending. Aloha and welcome aboard. This is Theme Park Thursday with Dillo's Diz. That is Jen. Hello. And I am Frank. And at the top of the podcast, that was Tom and Michelle from (laughs) the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Uh, We engage them a lot on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear more from them in a little bit here, along with a whole roster of guests this week. What the what? As we celebrate the 30th anniversary of, of course, hashtag always, always MGM. MGM. <sighs> it's a good day. It is well, a good day, day after. Well, day after the well, day. Whatever. Of, but you know. here we are. It's not May Day anymore. It's it's the 2nd of May on this theme park Thursday. And we're actually recording it the day before. So we're kind of, it's like a whole a sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. One for here. Yeah. But we reached out to a couple of friends of ours to ask for their hashtag always MGM memories. So we're going to weave through those recordings here along the way and just just to kind of, it's weird, first of all, that we actually have a subject or a topic that we actually we have like a structure this week. Uh, well, let's not get crazy with structure. We have a topic. I mean, that's an improvement for us. Well, uh, yeah, I guess the recordings <laughs> are the structure. We don't right, know what right. the heck we're doing. No, we, no, no. We, we know what everyone else. Yeah, is. we gave everyone else an assignment. Here, you guys <laughs> do this. We don't know what we're doing. So can you figure it out? Thanks. As, as usual, we were trying to do our homework, the class before the class. <laughs> that's right. And now we'll just copy off of everyone like I did lunch period before English, you know, never, don't judge me. So the Disney MGM Studios opened May 1st, 1989. And and if you're, you're listening to this podcast, most likely you're aware of that information. Uh, Jen. Yeah. You were seven. Seven. Seven years old. (laughs) Seven years old at the time, much like when we talked about uh, MMC, uh, the- the premiere of MM, uh, the all-new Mickey Mouse Club in April. Uh, what were some of your earliest memories of the Disney MGM Studios, maybe even before we went for the first time, December 1989? Well, that was going to be my first question. Oh, I You bl- are much better <laughs> with the dates than I am. Was when did we first visit 
That would be in early December of 1989. Late December. No, it's early December. Back in 1989. We don't own the rents. All right. So, and we're at a park. (laughs) Sorry. All right. So, and where did we stay on that trip? Uh, I believe, if I am not mistaken, that would be, I, I'm reluctant to say because it was off property. Uh, what? What were we doing? <laughs> exactly. It was one of those, what are we doing trips? It was the first time off property. We were on 192. Oh I couldn't even God. tell you the name of the hotel, motel. Well, it's probably I, changed about 100 times if it was on 192. <laughs> because it was, it was Polynesian, early 88. It was Fort Wilderness, late 88. Skip a year. Keep going. And how many remember? <laughs> no. Anyway, we're here to talk about hashtag always right. MGM. And then, like, what? how many years? Sorry, I'm doing math in my head. Like, 17 ish years later, I would live off of 192. Man, just yeah. it all comes full circle. All right. Anyway, so hashtag always MGM. I don't know that I have like a memory from that trip specifically, but I feel like early. Hashtag always MGM memories for me include mm-hmm. uh, the the Pluto light up on uh, up above the storefronts uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. why? Why? I don't know, but okay. that's you know. Um, also, my pink Mickey camera with the flesh on top. Oh, that classic! Stands out because I think I took a lot of pictures of the new park with that camera. Uh, probably my new kids fanny pack was there too. Anyway, and uh, streetmosphere, I think definitely sticks out. But I, I mean, I always liked MGM because, and go figure, that it was bringing you into Hollywood and it was bringing mm-hmm. you into the movies and TV and all of the things that we were already into as kids. Right. So it was kind of bringing that to life a little bit. And we had been so used to Magic Kingdom and Epcot, which were very specific for Disney. And there hadn't been a new park in so long. And there we were experiencing mm-hmm. it for the first time. Well, yeah. And it's a, it's a very funny thing because I often, when I converse with my friends or otherwise, I, I point to 1989 as the like seminal year for me in movies. And, and, and I think it's all two fronts of like me becoming such a fan of entertainment or, you know, Mm -hmm. the the little hints along the way that that was the direction my life was heading. Right. But also, you know, in terms of Disney parks, I feel like the opening of the studios in some ways uh, cemented where maybe some teenagers go astray in their love for Disney. It, It cemented me as a like Disney fan for life because it was combining these two things because yeah. we didn't go until that December mm-hmm. and I can tell you that that year of movies was uh Field of Dreams, Batman, Lethal Weapon 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Glory, mm-hmm. um uh, Major League, which I you know I was a I was a ball player at that point in the high school. So mm-hmm. I quote that movie seven thousand times. And I mean so that year of movies I, I, I mean that's what you did. You went you went to the mall. And you went to the movies. Back right. to the Future Two came out that November, mm-hmm. so there was there was a whole litany of movies that 
were, you know, cementing in my brain forever because I think those like nine or 10 movies I just named combined, I've seen, you know, 8,000 times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and for that, you know, the, the, entry upon the park you're talking about the pluto light up there above <laughs> above the Hollywood, but it, it really was the impression of that park was really just as strong as uh, epcot spaceship earth or main street and yeah. castle mm-hmm. because of you know we, we liked our tv and movies yeah and that's the thing it was just like it was cool it was a cool park and and it was still had the disney feels but added this other aspect to it where we loved all the, you know, and this was, this predates um, Tower of Terror and Rock and mm-hmm. Roller Coaster, and right. that those rides aren't cool, obviously, but, um, you know, we loved all the rides, a great movie ride, and Star Tours, and we loved watching Indiana Jones, and we were pretty all in the Backlot Tour. We were all in on all of it because of what it was bringing to us because we were so into the movie genre, um, and I think... It's funny looking at it now because it's going under this just major facelift as mm-hmm. a park and yeah. how much isn't there anymore. Like, I think our nostalgia runs deep with this park because we're yeah. trying and we want to hold on to all of those things so badly. Yeah, we've said it on the podcast before where, you know, obviously nostalgia one runs deep, but also mm-hmm. that the 80s were such a nostalgic decade yeah uh, and then you know again intertwining all these things but again that impression of of the studios when you first entered um you know made instant memories for people and so i'm gonna segue into our first uh, guest commentator here our guest memory maker hi there this is cassie from the disflix and tidbits podcast i was asked by Frank and Jan Dillo, what was my favorite memory of Hollywood Studios or hashtag always MGM? And I have kind of a confession to make. I've only been to Hollywood Studios once. Uh, when I went on my big trip, I only went to the park once, but my favorite memory of there is seeing the streetmosphere on the Hollywood and Vine area of the park. I really, really loved it. I was pregnant at the time, so I was very cranky from the heat. I mean, you girls know how it is. (laughs) I was very cranky from the heat, but these street mo performers put a big smile on my face and it took me out of that bad space in my head where I just thought I was uncomfortable and uh, there was no shade or anything. So I they they just put a big smile on my face and I loved them for that. And uh, yeah, Streetmosphere is probably my best memory. I, I don't remember exactly the skit they did, but I just remember that there was a cop, there was a, a lady, and then there was like a plumber, I believe. So I'm not sure which group it was, but I, I do remember their faces and I do remember the feeling that they gave me. I have said it many, many times that mm-hmm. Citizens of Hollywood Streetmosphere pretty much pretty much sent me in a direction of one performing, uh, but two improvisation, three <laughs> characters, extraordinary characters, extraordinary characters. Uh, you know, during the early years of Street Misfear, they were under the uh, direction of Gary Izzo, who basically wrote 
the book on interactive theater called The Art of Play. Check it out if you're a big Disney fan or fans of Citizens of Hollywood or uh, Street Mystery. Improv, mm-hmm. character study, what have you, do it. The Art of Play by Gary Izzo, uh, and then you know I worked, I've worked with him since 2000. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be my 20th season at the Sterling Renaissance Festival. Ooh. He is the mm-hmm. director, uh, and I've worked with Gary since 2000, and that was you know that was the <laughs> that was the arc, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people over the year, the last few years have. Um, you know, and maybe us a little bit has uh, lamented their slow, slow demise mm-hmm. here. Now there's not as many characters out on the street. And and this is going, I mean, this is a 20 year thing where, you know, when Tower of Terror opened and then Rock and Roller Coaster opened, they started pulling back because they were worried about the traffic, you know, the bottlenecks on, on Hollywood Boulevard and on Sunset. Mm-hmm. And here we are with only a few remaining uh, streetmosphere. Yeah. They were another aspect of this park that brought us into the movies. So I, I remember being little, probably younger than seven, and um, the Alice in Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, that she would remember me, like right. in parades, that she would wave and she would point, and like that was like, oh my God, she remembers me, Alice in Wonderland, and it was the coolest thing ever. And watching Streetmosphere over the years, we stood there and we would watch them all the time, day, night. We would end our day that way sometimes. It, we were all in on all of them that they kind of got to know us in a just familiar way of recognizing right. us and pointing us out. And that was like another awesome thing that we were now being brought in. Sometimes they were using us as props. I think one of those videos is up on YouTube. We'll have to share some of those uh, right. um, sketches on from our YouTube channel. But um, so I think it was just another interactive piece to this park that we hadn't experienced before. And it was so cool to watch. And I hate that it's going away more and more. Yeah. And the, and the, and the fashion in which it's happened. And it, like yeah. I said, as, as I mentioned with the, the slow, even they used to be not mic'd on, yeah. on the street. They used to just be able to project and, and right. command the audience and and work a crowd in the right directions that people yes. could walk around them or you could stay and watch, whatever it was. It was really uh, masterful and, yeah. and, and unique at the time. And, and no, you weren't seeing this anywhere. Maybe you were seeing it at Renaissance Festival, which were you know, maybe a, a bit niche at the time. Right. Uh, but the the impact that the street atmospheres of Hollywood made, not just on me, but on a lot of people in, in defining what the park was. Yeah. You know, that 1940s vibe, the 1930s automobiles, what have you, really mm-hmm. set the tone for your day. And maybe you could say that earlier on, too, because it wasn't like the park had a whole lot. Like, now we joke, like, oh, it's a half-day park because nothing's open and yeah. the whole thing. You know, when the park opened, it was great movie ride. Yep. It was uh, superstar television. Yep. It was a monster sound show. It was a uh, backstage tour. Mm-hmm. And I'm missing one, maybe... The the animation, uh, the art of animation, the the animation tour. Indiana Jones, did we say that? That August oh, was, was oh, Indiana August. Jones. Oh, yeah. interesting. And that was and that was the other thing too. I mean, we when we went for the first time, Indiana Jones. Was yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I'm not what I would have to fact check my ourselves on <laughs> is that we went in early December. Whether we saw Star Tours at that point, because Star Wars Star Tours opened December fifteenth. Okay. And, and so whether it was doing previews right right that time uh remains to be seen but um let's just hit on superstar television real quick 
because mm-hmm. we, we, <laughs> you know, and, and like doing a little bit of like reading, I have a lot of archive stuff still in this box of old newspaper clips and, and preview guides and things like that. And, you know, not really thinking about, oh, like, oh, you know, it was movies, but it was also TV and it was also radio with mm-hmm. their sound show mm-hmm. and superstar television. I mean, it, it was gone by the late nineties, you know, it barely made 10 years, I think if I it only did eight. Yeah. But superstar television was a whole lot of fun back then. Oh yeah. Did you ever Um, end up on superstar television? No, not me personally, but uh, I watched you be a part of it. Did you watch And did a post interview? That's right. Which we have on on the YouTube. Yeah, we're gonna have to put that up because our accents are on on fleek, as the kids say. Can (laughs) I on the on the Long Island point. Man, I don't even know who those people are talking. Because um, I did the Three Stooges for that one, where you right. got a pie in the face at the end. A pie Spoil- thrown in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, I get a pie in my face. At yeah. The end. Uh, and I also did General Hospital one time, which is also kind of, mm-hmm. all things considered, uh, was a bit of foreshadowing. Yes, indeed. Of, of watching GH in the future. And... Super Soap Weekend, just in general. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think which direction to go, and I, I felt like we were going in from the front of the park. Right. We were looking at superstar television, but now I want to talk about, and I was going to save it to the end, but I want to, I want to talk about it right now because uh, three members <laughs> of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast chimed in with their own uh, memories, and uh, Sam, who I often pick on here as, as the stir <laughs> of the pot, yes. uh, br- brought up perhaps the biggest all time hashtag always MGM debate amongst mm-hmm. fans. So let's play that right now. Hey, old kitties, gather around the fire here and let grandpa tell you a story about the studios and how they used to be when I was a young whippersnapper. Back in those days, we called it Disney's MGM Studios. I don't know what this Hollywood Studios is. It's a complete bunk. Are you with me? You're with me. Come on. This is Justin Monreal, Sam Monreal, and Landon the Dawzstone here to tell you our favorite memory. Sam, what was your favorite memory of hashtag always MGM? Well, apparently my memory is something that people didn't really care for, but I remember walking in with McKenna, and it was the first time, you know, that I'd ever been to Disney, and McKenna, you know, her first time as well. She was like six years old, maybe seven, and we walk in, and I see the sorcerer's hat, sorcerer Mickey's hat, and I thought that was just so cool. And we also had a really good time doing the great movie ride. So those are two things that, like, they aren't there anymore. But it was my first um, memories of MGM Studios. The Sorcerer's Hat. Let's discuss. <laughs> Jen, you're feeling. I'm gonna. Th- I'm giving it to you first because you guys are best friends who have never met. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on the Sorcerer's Hat? Well. Sam, my bestie. I mean, if you loved it, a lot of people loved it. That's great. And and it was special to some, not as special to others. And here's why it wasn't special to me. <laughs> because it was it was the start of kind of taking away a piece of the park. And when you were walking up, you saw the Chinese theater, Hollywood. That's you're in LA. You're you're there. And they took the big hat and they covered it up. Now, listen, I like Fantasia. <laughs> I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It was cool. 
that's not the spot. And then I started getting a little upset because they were using it as the symbol for the park. No. no. <laughs> right. It's not the symbol of the park. So I respect those who liked it. And especially that it was her first time there. And that was what she's, you know, that was her first experience. So I get that too. When you haven't seen anything before then and whether or mm -hmm. not you like you did and liked it or didn't like it or whatever. But for me, not my favorite thing they did. <laughs> Although not my least favorite thing they did or most least least favorite since you know the whole changing the name of yeah it. we'll get to some least favorite yeah. things okay. i think I, I got one of my own in here that uh i don't think i've ever discussed on the podcast Ooh. So it'll be a hot it'll be a, a hot take of an old show hot uh, take story <laughs> no, not really uh, but here's what the, the sorcerers had established because it was like 100 years celebrating 100 years of walt disney right. so again as we talked about with the 25th anniversary birthday cake or the little uh, Epcot over Spaceship Earth kind of thing. If you're going to do it for a year, right? I, I can accept it for a year. Mm -hmm. It went on for like eight or nine years. Yeah. It, was, it was a very, I mean, it probably was longer than nine years. So that was my issue. Like, if it, I, I could have accepted it for like mm -hmm. a year. All right, it's a thing. You know, Fantasia was an early part of MGM's history in terms of like the Sorcery in the Sky show and, you know, celebrating 50 years of Fantasia early on. But another excellent introduction to something of Disney that I wasn't really familiar with at that point. So learning about Fantasia was, it was, Great for me, mm -hmm. uh, especially that I, I work in the classical music world now. <laughs> um, but the the length of time, and then what was even strange, it was like there was better places that it could have gone. It could have been at the front of the park. Mm -hmm. It could have been, they used to have, the, before they moved the, the Christmas tree to the lake, they, yeah. they had the Christmas tree at the front of the park. So even when they removed it, yeah, why they didn't move it to the front of the park right. is... is it was interesting to me because I, I, I think it's a cool little icon, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be the icon, but it was a cool little icon right. that could have had a longer life somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great movie ride, as we all know. It was basically the pilot of yeah. what you're listening to here today. That's right. It was our pilot episode. It was our pilot episode. If you want to go back, when we moved, when we shifted over uh, from the Improviser's Guide podcast in October, mm -hmm. uh, we put that up as a bonus. Uh, the, it was us live watching The Great Movie Ride. That's when we tested the waters for what you're <laughs> listening to right now. And here we are since October on our 30th episode. What? For the 30th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, the great movie ride. A big ride for our family. Papadillo's. Uh, Is it Papadillo's favorite? favorite? It's right up there with Small World, I think. Even Papadillo eventually admitted that over time, right. the, uh, the ride itself, the wear and tear, the mm -hmm. lack of care, Yes. It's an unfortunate rhyme right there, but yeah. those things, you know, even wore down Papadillo a little bit and his yeah. love. For a little bit, but he still was holding on because you well, he don't know go. where we get our nostalgia from. I mean, my goodness. What is a, what do you think? What is Papadillo <laughs> most nostalgic about? Is there something you like, like in life, like in like, his life or yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his life. What do you think it is? I mean, let, let's leave Disney out of it completely because he's obviously nostalgic about that. Is there is there something that really you can point to? He likes movies he can cry at. <laughs> Anything that gets tapped to his emotions. Yeah. Um, oh, I got one. I got one. Oh, oh. I got one. It, it's his, uh, his trains. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. the trains. So we're, we're ridiculous. We didn't think about train. that sooner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Moving on. Uh, did we all get out our therapy legal pads for that one from last week? <laughs> um, but yes, it. and do we ever tell this story about what the great movie ride did to us as a family one trip? Once MGM opened and became more and more popular in our family over time, yeah. maybe more me than anybody else, but... Uh, <laughs> We all often ended our trip in MGM, and partly because it was a quick way out to get to mm-hmm. the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the movie ride became the often the final ride right. of the trip. Right. Uh, except one time, uh, the time of departure of our flight to New York City uh, was underestimated, <laughs> and the movie ride therefore. Uh, <laughs> kept us from making our flight. Mm-hmm. Where we Completely then, missed it. it. Like not even a good Home Alone run. No, I thought we had a good Home Alone run. Did we? Did we Home Alone run? I mean, like, I but it didn't. Like did. Not a good enough one, though. No, 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 no. Not, not. We didn't end up in first class, sipping champagne, <laughs> filling it up. But fill it up, please. Fill it up. Fill it up. Fill it up. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, no, and we ended up in uh, the Holiday Inn back by the airport. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and, and and then one morning, and so therefore, it then became a long running joke that yes. we no longer can use because the great movie ride is not open. <sighs> I miss it. I miss it, and I'm not even. I'm not even there. <laughs> we talked about uh, Sam here. Uh, we'll just pass it right over to Justin, and uh, he's got he's got one he's got one cool thing here to mention before the attraction. We'll talk about next. Was the Roger Rabbit stuff in Hollywood Studios? Because because I loved that growing up. Was that there? They had yeah. You? There was like back in the back lot. There was like yeah. a, an area where they had some props from like Roger Rabbit. They had the big safe that looked like it landed on somebody in a chalk outline, which is pretty yeah, dark. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that in, 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 in the taxi. <laughs> yeah, they did have that stuff. Okay, um, I'm gonna throw that in there. Okay, unless you tell me that was it, like Bush Gardens. Or that something. was the <laughs> no, you got that one. <laughs> I think for me, I enjoy, if you remember when hashtag always MGM first opened, it might've been not, not from day one, but early on in the lifetime of MGM, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used to be there. Yes. And that is what's up. I was a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan as a kid. So that was amazing to me. And the costumes were super cool. I remember doing the backlot tour and going through Catastrophe Canyon and getting to see the Golden Girls house. That was amazing to me. That was like a big deal. And I think probably one of the biggest things to me is that when the studios first opened, it was a live production studio. So there was a chance they could be filming something or creating something for a movie or a TV show while you were there. Yeah, I really do miss the actual production studio element of the park, and it was pretty cool to, to be around that and see props from movies and actually see, like, real production happening. So, yeah, yeah we miss you always, MGM. Who knows what you're going to become in the future? You're going through a bit of a midlife Star crisis. Wars land featuring the everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any memories of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Did you get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles autographs? I feel like we did. You know what? And I didn't remember. Like, if you 
if you were ever talking to me about, I, I would never mention them. But mm-hmm. once he said it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wait a second. I think we have some pictures of those cardboard cutouts in us. Uh, yes. We need to go into the archives for that. I, yeah, uh, I think so. They were along with our uh, all new Mickey Mouse club. Yeah. Club so whatever time. album these pictures are in, those are the ones that I can't find recently. And that's driving me crazy. But so, yeah, I, um, I, I'm sure we do have autographs. Yeah, when I started working, uh, I started working at MGM in the fall of 95. And for a good long while after I started, any one of my co-working cast members who worked closely with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that was the greatest time they ever had. Right. was working with, uh, can we name all four? Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael. Michelangelo? What did I say? Did I was say it like a Machiavellian? I don't know what you're saying. Michelangelo? Michelangelo. I don't know why I said Michelangelo. Michelangelo. Yeah, Michelite. <laughs> Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and Leonardo, right? Yeah. That's not the order you usually say them in. No. But that's the order I chose here today. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was their their best time. Like, nothing was greater than working with uh, TMNT. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, but it was funny that he, I'm glad he mentioned it because I had completely forgotten that they were there for a brief period. The uh, backstage studio tour we have lamented over time mm-hmm. here uh, <laughs> because it, it was one of those things like, first, it, you would have to wait a while to go on sometimes, yeah. which then meant we went somewhere else. And right. then there was times where it just took too long. So mm-hmm. you're like, I don't have time to do this right now. So I feel like we didn't get to go as often yeah. as we had hope tour we probably should have yeah but um what what your favorite part clearly it's always going to be the golden girls house is that me and justin we are we are (laughs) on par with that and i don't know if i when we did the switcheroo skidoo um i had done my portion of the festivities in the parks with landon and sam so i don't know if justin had was familiar with the Osborne Christmas lights or not, Mm because I know he had visited the park a few times. So I'm wondering if he was able to see the Golden Girls house decorated because I'm sure he would love that. And that and and that's gonna all tie into the show that I was mm-hmm. I'm going to reference later because yeah the early days of the Osborne spectacle of lights at Christmas time not only was like New York Street and the Washington Square Park area but all the way down Residential Street and you would loop around and at the end of the loop you would you would be with Santa Goofy yeah and uh, take a picture with Santa Goofy like mm-hmm. I said one time I, I said oh I said this on our uh, when we were oh. recording <laughs> the video there's been a couple of things now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we finally shot a couple of our YouTube episodes. That we did. Coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking to... we were going to get a little confused about things we said there and then whether or not we actually said them here. Yeah, there's been multiple times now that I've said, like, when did I say that? Yeah. That on an episode? <laughs> yeah. It's not on an episode. I'm like, uh, oh, it was on the video. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, anyway, the residential street all decked out. You know, Herbie the Love Bug used to be on the residential street. Yeah. Uh, the empty nest house. But the Golden Girls house is like, there was a, a little bulldog thing from the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Golden Girls house is the, is oh, yeah. Because house. every Saturday night at nine o'clock, <sighs> our grandmother's house. Yes. 
guaranteed to mm -hmm. see MGM Studios. It was yes. a big deal. Oh yeah, definitely. Get the exterior shot. Of so good. I'm just so sad that's not there. <laughs> it's gone. Um, it's I... all gone, and now it's Toy Story Land. I mean, I love Toy Story Land, but not at the expense. And. Yeah, and I also when you're talking about timing of the Backlot Tour, it was kind of a longer experience if you did the two parts because mm -hmm. you could do the walking tour basically right. into the ride or you could sort of just skip. And I think over time we just skipped right to the second part of the yeah. ride. So we were only on the tram and Catastrophe Cannon and, and the Backlot and all of that. And I think because we also had a decent video of the backstage studio tour when we first went, I felt we like we could do the walking tour more because you could uh, potentially see filming or oh, we could see the right. Mickey Mouse Club set or uh, I, you know whatever else they might have been filming on Soundstage Two at the time, which yeah. uh, the movie Oscar with Sylvester Stallone oh, was yeah. filmed there, which is. A, a guilty pleasure of mine. I haven't watched in a long time, but a very yeah. farcical movie. We used to watch it a lot. I really like that movie. It, yeah. it, it, it got killed by the reviewers and, the, and it not, did not do well at the box office as Sylvester Stallone tried to do comedy. Right. But if you've never seen it, uh, just check it out to see how goofy it is. I mean, I talk about the Renaissance Festival here, but I learned a lot about Commedia dell'arte at the Renaissance Festival, and this movie is basically all your stock characters. You got the pair of lovers, you got the uh, overbearing father, you got the servants, you got, and there's a lot of great character actors in that movie. So yeah. it's, it's worth it. Mar young Marissa Tomei oh, is, yeah. is the daughter mm -hmm. uh, who's great in it. Uh, Peter Reigert, I think, is in it. Harry Shearer is one of the tailors. So it's got a lot of uh, fun. Chaz Palminteri is mm -hmm. in it uh, before Bronx Tale became a big thing. So it's it's definitely worth a look. And yeah. it's filmed uh, in parts at both both uh, Universal and uh, mm -hmm. and MGM in, in parts there. Uh, but the walking tour, yeah, I agree. You do the little you do the little um, the little uh, boat. Yeah. Like, you know, right, right. and do the boat thing with the water crashing and then you do the sound stages and maybe you get to see a couple of trailers. Mm -hmm. Probably the probably where your love of Father of the Bride first started <sighs> because one of, the, probably the first time we did the walking tour at mm -hmm. the end was a trailer for Father of the Bride. Love that movie. Little known fact. Our friend Tombstone Josh over at the Disnoid podcast also had a uh, fond memory of the backstage tour. So let's just throw it over to Josh real quick. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Josh. Wanted to chime in for your trip down memory lane for Hollywood Studios. Hashtag always MGM, as you guys like to say. I have two memories that stick out for me. The first one is a ride. I always loved the Backlot Tour. It was one of my favorite rides. The nostalgia of it was really cool to me. And I even loved that crowd participation thing they did beforehand. I always loved to do that. It was a lot of fun. Super cool. Always enjoyed it. My second memory, and the one that sticks out to me the most, is doing a photo sesh with my wife in the little Rose Garden area at the entrance of the Beauty and the Beast show. I'm sure you guys have seen it bunch of you probably have done it as well but we got some great pictures out of it but stuff like that sticks to my heart little things you get to do like that that transports you into the movie is really cool and it's part of the reason we love disney world is to be able to do stuff like that 
so uh, he mentions the Beauty and Beast show, which amazingly has been there since 1991. Like right after the movie, either it came out the day the movie opened. It's like a little, it's a little trivia thing. And I, I believe it came out the same day as the movie, which is like a rare thing to, mm-hmm. they, they knew like oh, right. we're going all in with Beauty and the Beast. And if you remember the theater of the stars theater was the entrance way for mm-hmm. like, the beginning of Sunset Boulevard mm-hmm. is. So right. that's, that's where the theater was. And that's where they would have all the, uh, interviews with the celebrities who came and did the motorcade and Mm -hmm. did the handprint ceremony and the whole thing. I have not seen, it's been a long time since I've seen the Beauty and the Beast uh, stage show. Uh, But I feel like there's a reason why it hasn't gone away and why it's, it's kind of like a timeless classic in that way. Some people still like, you know, like, Oh my God, it's so old. Get it out of here. Much as the same way of Voyage of the Little Mermaid. I, I feel a little more about, Mermaid going away, or Minute Maid, as Papa <laughs> calls it, than I do about Beauty and the Beast, and I'm not sure why that is. But I uh, feel the same. Although I did say the other day, I'm quite excited to go there now that the two year old is just so in on Ariel that the two year old might really be like pretty into it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know the last time I saw the Beauty and the Beast show, mm-hmm. and I didn't know. That I feel like all over Disney, there's a lot of these photo ops you can do. Mm-hmm. that I, I don't even no realize like he did a whole little photo shoot with his wife that's amazing like and and I see them pop up sometimes on Twitter and Facebook of people doing them in the kingdom or different spots in Epcot I'm like where are all these little hidden spots that you could do these photo shoots it's, mm-hmm. it's cool and and it's cool that hashtag always MGM offers that as well you know I think it's funny how again people think that there's not much to do at the studios where really if you take your time and get around and and see all the nooks and crannies it really can take you through an entire day keenan over at the part of our world podcast i wanted to make sure i didn't marble that with my long island mouth (laughs) um also talks about the beauty and the beast show so let's uh, throw that over to him hey dillos this is keenan from the part of our world podcast And you guys are currently celebrating Hollywood Studios' 30th anniversary on May 1st. And you asked us to be a part of Theme Park Thursday to share our favorite Hollywood Studios memory, or always MGM Studios, as you guys put it. This park is amazing. It's, you know, I have such fond memories of going there as a kid. But I do think that my all-time favorite memory is when we went there on my first trip as an adult, Uh, It was Rachel, the co-host of Part of Our World, uh, her very first time at any Disney park, and we brought our two-and-a-half-year-old. Hands down, my favorite memory from that particular trip is that we went to the Beauty and the Beast stage show, which we almost missed because of the times. We're sitting there, and it's, it's a fun show and not something you necessarily need to do every trip, but Gaston comes out on stage and attacks the Beast and severely injures him. And Cedric, our son, starts clapping and is cheering for Gaston. And it was just so comical to me. And it was just such, I don't know, a a fun, treasured moment that I'll never forget. And I just love that even the simplest things like that at Disney parks can be memories that last a lifetime. So I hope that other people are sharing similar memories. I'm really looking forward to hearing them all. What I like about this, and we could talk about this real quick, is mm-hmm. that um, he mentions the two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, not my two-year-old, not your, not two-year-old. your three-year-old <laughs> who was a two-year-old on the podcast previously. Right. Mm-hmm. So my, I think what will end up being my studio's memory of, of my now three-year-old mm-hmm. is when she turned one, uh, how all in she was with the Kylo Ren experience. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. We both, I was like, I got to go see Kylo Ren. You don't have to come everybody. I, I just need to, <laughs> I would like to go see the Kylo Ren experience. Please right. me. Can I go? Right. And, and Mrs. Dillon was like, no, well, I'll go. She'll be fine. You know, she doesn't get scared that much. And, mm-hmm. and she was just infatuated with yeah. <laughs> Kylo Ren and the voice and the whole thing. Dark side, something, something dark side. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that, you know, so again, it's the, the, um, the impression made there. Do you, uh, do you have one for uh, either of the kids with the studios? memory i mean i like that he brought up the he tapped into the our parental souls a bit with this uh memory and uh and it and it is funny to watch them react to certain things where you're like i don't know are they even going to sit through this show and just Mm -hmm. what gets them and what they react to and it brings a whole new experience to enjoying disney and watching it through their eyes but i'm trying to think um, I, I think I, I think I talked about this. I mean, they've they had been a few times, and the Disney Junior Stage Show was pretty cool for mm-hmm. them. But I think that when we were there in September and we saw Muppet Vision 3D, and both of them and the mm-hmm. two year old wasn't even two year yet, um, sat through all of Muppet Vision. Like that was right. huge for me, and they were yeah. reacting mm-hmm. to everything, and they were all in on it, wearing the glasses the whole time. It completely surprised me that they sat through it, and. I think because Muppet Vision was just such a big deal for us, like it was crazy to then watch right. them love yeah. it just as much. Hashtag, Hashtag save the Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when and that and that's the that's the funny thing. I'm, I'm going to go backwards on this now for a second. Uh, is you know when the Muppets opened in '92, like this that was kind of like a holy trilogy of my childhood that had slowly been revealed at at mgm which was Mm -hmm. you know lastly was the muppets and previous to that was star tours which you know i'm gonna get to more of that towards the end here because that's the future Mm -hmm. um the uh and how it really reopened my eyes to star wars again which i was a complete nut about as a a young boy Mm -hmm. Uh, and then prior to that uh was uh the indiana jones epic sun spectacular which opened as i said that august of 1989 and uh disflix uh and tibbet's husband as a memory it's you're not gonna hear the husband no no (laughs) my husband actually was in hollywood studios Actually, sorry, since I am a new fan of the parks, I call it Hollywood Studios, not MGM, but my husband does try to correct me and call it MGM. He was there the first year that MGM opened. So his, I I thought I would share his memory too. His favorite memory is watching the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. He's a big Indiana Jones fan. And he said as a kid, it was something that he always looked back on because it was like his hero came to life on a stage, even though it's just a part of the scene and an actor portraying him. He loved the fact that he got to see his hero right in front of him performing these stunts and seeing the most iconic scenes from the movie right in front of his face. And he he loved that. And that was his favorite memory of MGM. 
you know, we had, well, it's funny about uh, Diz Flicks and Tibbetts uh, talking about uh, Indiana Jones' Epic Sound Spectacular there is she just had our good friend Ali Flores mm-hmm. on as a guest. And Ali uh, still works on occasion over at the Epic Sound Spectacular as the assistant director. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also did Shoot Monsieur for a long time. And that that show, uh, I point to, I, I say it's like the friends of <laughs> the theme park shows because it, no matter how many years have gone by, it still seems like it's current. Mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't seem like it's gotten old right. or it's worn out or it's dated or anything like that. What's just happened to a lot of, even a great movie ride, it felt like that after a long time. Mm-hmm. It felt like, oh, it's passing them by a little bit. People don't appreciate yeah. what it was. Um, and indie never feels that way. And that was from day one. And uh, I have a good friend uh, who I work with at the Renaissance Festival who was like one of the original assistant directors there. So it's kind mm-hmm. of fun to see the through line yeah. of that whole show. When was the last time you saw Indiana Jones, you know? It's been a while, yeah. I think yeah. I've seen it one time with Mrs. Dillow hmm. in, in recent years. And maybe when Ali was working. I feel like Mr. Snydillo may have almost seen it either last June or September. But then, and I was walking the kids to sleep or something. Uh, and I think, I don't know if he had just missed the time or something where I don't think he ended up going to actually see it. But got close. The I'm going to bring up the show that I never saw now because oh. uh, when Residential Street went away, in came uh, and the lights, motor, action. Oh, you've never right. seen that? Never. No, I refused. <laughs> I outright refused. Angry Frank is coming out. <laughs> I don't know enough about it to know. I just, it was one of those things that I didn't, it was a change I did not approve of with the show from Disneyland Paris coming mm-hmm. over. And uh, I just thought that was not the best choice. Like I had any say in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think it was a, a good way for the park to go. You saw the show though. I, I did. I see, saw it a few times. Well, Mr. Mr. Snydillo loves the cars. He loves the cars. So uh, yeah, but I saw it before then too, because I was living down there, I think when it started. So as people would come to visit, we had some cousins visit at times, and so we would go see the show since it was a new thing to see. I mean, I thought it was, I don't think I approved of the change, uh, especially that it was taking up space uh, that was sometimes occupied by, uh, well, not only residential, but also um, Super Soap space. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> priorities. Um, the bleachers, very uncomfortable. They should have provided better seating, I'm just saying, um, because... It's it's a longer show, and the metal bleachers aren't the best seating for that. But I thought it was a cool show, and almost like watching a dance with them, and uh-huh. I, it was cool. I I don't. It wasn't something I felt like I had to do all the time, or you know. And and I think Mr. Snydell, being the car guy, he is kind of felt similar. Like he really liked it and was into it, but it wasn't like, oh man, I have to see this or else, you know, my Disney trip doesn't feel complete or anything like that. But at the time, either Pirates of the Caribbean had just become the first one had become such a big hit that I thought it would have made more sense because thinking that it was a movie themed park. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah, and granted the IP of Pirates is forever Magic Kingdom. Right. 
but I always thought that maybe they should have went in that direction and focused on doing something pirate space that would have mm-hmm. perhaps drawn, but that, what would have happened to Star Wars then? Who can say? Right. Uh, they obviously had greater foresight than I had, but I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, they should have done like a huge pirates thing instead of this stunt show from another theme park is how I yeah. think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and there are a lot of, there's been a lot of shows that have come and gone over the years yeah. over at uh, the studios, whether the Hunchback of Notre Dame stage show, mm-hmm. uh, which was very, very good at the time. Like, the same kind of quality that people talk about Festival of the Lion King and Nemo over in Animal Kingdom now. How people talk about those two shows was the quality that Hunchback was over mm-hmm. at MGM in the mid-90s. Uh, the American Idol show, mm-hmm. which they just they just missed the they missed the window. The window yeah. was already closing when you know yeah. Carrie Carrie Underwood was already three to four years <laughs> gone when that, that attraction finally opened. Right. And even now, I, at the window is still closing because it's back, yeah. and I have no idea what's going on on that mm-hmm. show. You know how many hours we spent watching American Idol oh, in the yeah. early years? The world collectively, so <laughs> many. Hours, <laughs> uh, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? Play it. I was, mm-hmm. I loved who wants to be a millionaire. Uh, so I love that attraction. Some of the old street mode guys, uh, often were the hosts. Mm, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Willie Ketchum was like yes. the main host mm-hmm. of the <laughs> detective. Willie Ketchum, uh, was a, it was a big one there, and then. Uh, in terms of uh, defunct attractions, I'm going to have Justin from Monday, Monday Morning Monorail podcast uh, pass it over to Landon, who's going to talk a little bit of a play area that's no longer. Landon, what is your favorite memory of now the 30-year-old hashtag always MGM? My favorite memory is going to be from one of little Landon's trips to MGM Studios for the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 3D show. I vividly remember that, I guess, attraction. They also had like the, you know, play area for kids where it was, you know, you were shrunk down in the backyard with the ant. I always thought that was cool. And then a, I guess, more recent memory is uh, when me and my now ex went to Hashtag Hollywood Studios, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care, really. Um, went to uh, Hollywood Studios. She's terrified of elevators. So standing in line uh, for ha- uh, Tower of Terror was amazing. Just having her had like a mental breakdown was fantastic. I enjoyed that. One edit to that comment is the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience 3D show was in Epcot. But that's okay because it got you to the playground, which was at Hashtag Always MGM. Oh, Landon. Oh, man, and Justin calling him right out. <laughs> he did calling it in a right nice, out. friendly way, though. He did, like, just, just, you know, heads up. Just a little FYI. And Landon uh, mentioned uh, the Tower of Terror there. So let's talk about that whole extension, Sunset Boulevard, all the way down. Because I am definitely going to have a hot take on another show here in a second. I know uh, I, 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 I tried to tease you with the lights, motor, blah, blah, blah. But now I got a real one at the end here. Uh, and it's personal, so you mean oh. it? It means it's not a real argument. Ooh, get go uh, to the popcorn, folks. <laughs> the that extension, summer of 1994, with the Tower of Terror. I just remember driving the first time and seeing how tall the Tower of mm-hmm. Terror was. Going, oh my god, I'm never. I can't go on this. I can't. Yeah. Do it. Uh, still, probably the greatest attraction from top to bottom there is. Even though you hate free falling, you love it. Admit it. Me, personally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I enjoyed 
do I say enjoy? I like it. <laughs> and if you're giving me, if I'm in that corner, I'm picking that over rock and roller coaster for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I've been on it. I, it became a ride I would go on every trip. Mm-hmm. So it it's there. I love to hate <laughs> to love it. I think is what it is. Sure, the rock and roller coaster. I I had to get over. I mean, I like the ride, and uh-huh. then I I go on it whenever I can. But uh, during my time as a cast member, I did feel like uh, the change, because what happened was the cast member entrance. Early in the early days was right where Rock and Roller Coaster was. So they demolished the cast member entrance area that, you know, I grew accustomed in my, from the moment I started would go that way and they took it away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it took me a while to get over the extension into that area. The other big thing Uh-oh. during my time as a cast member that mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. was the introduction of Fantasmic. Oh, I forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And to this day, I am not a fan of Fantasmic. But it says fan. (laughs) And I will, it's a couple of different things. It's a personal thing first. So like I said, it's not real. It's not a valid argument. But when when I was working, I worked with a fantastic group of people. Mm -hmm. I, I loved many, many of my cast members. I loved working with them and the characters that we worked with together. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just like, it was like us and them. And them. And, it's right. like Woody and you mm-hmm. and then Buzz and somebody and, else. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So when Fantasmic came along, the, you know, it was kind of like a, a, pillage, a pillaging, a pilfering, a, a plundering, you know, it was like, it was very piratical that they just came in and swooped like half of the department right. that I was in away and and shuffled them off to Fantasmic. I mean, I think they were all thrilled to be in Fantasmic. I was going to say, so let me get this straight. Your friends <laughs> that you loved uh, got a better opportunity. Correct. <laughs> and and then, I was still in college and they were living their life. All right. And you are mad because they got a better opportunity and left you in the desert. Well, Right. And, but it was, yeah, I wasn't as available as all right. of them. They were full-time right. employees. I was uh, seasonal to part-time for the most part, because I was still in school. Living I understood. Shady apartments. Uh-huh. <laughs> I understood. I had a couple of nice ones. <laughs> uh, the first one was awful. Yes. But the next two were nice. Uh-huh. The, uh, the point being is I understood why they were taken away, but, and not that the people I worked with after weren't very good, but uh, the the pixie dust wore off a little mm-hmm. at the, during that time period, and and th- yes, I should only dislike Fantasmic for that reason. But the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't like this show. Mm-hmm. And then seventeen years went by, mm-hmm. and I saw it again, and I was like, I'll, I'll be over it. I'll be over it. And I was like, oh, I still don't like this show. Interesting. So I don't know what it, what are your feelings about Fantasmic. I feel indifferent. I think uh, I don't remember the last time I saw Fantasmic. Mm-hmm. It's been a really long time. I don't remember not liking it. I just think I always felt like if I'm seeing something at night, 
that wasn't going to be my first choice. I got you. And for those of you at home listening, wondering why I breezed right past the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, it's because it's the 25th anniversary this summer, and I feel like that's going to be a dedicated episode. All right. So I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. I'll put it in your calendar as an alert. Oh. Oh. So we don't forget, like, what are we talking about next week? I don't know. And then a week later, I anniversary? Wasn't something coming? Yeah. 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 That which is what we did for last week, by the way, where we were, I mean, Marvel was a good topic. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but we I had planned the 25th anniversary of Disney on Broadway, and right. I completely missed it. I think that's going to be next week's episode. Oh, spoiler. Oh, spoiler alert. Anyway, I want to bring it all back to the beginning. We started the episode with Tom and Michelle from the Hyperion Adventures podcast. Yes. And uh, they focused a lot on uh, perhaps what... All of our futures are <laughs> at hashtag always MGM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for having us be a part of your show today. Talking about the hashtag always MGM. Uh, we're big fans of the studios. Michelle, as we, if you don't know our podcast, Michelle grew up on the East Coast yeah. in Florida going to the Walt Disney World Resort. So she has a lot of experience with Walt Disney World Resort and hashtag always MGM. Me, on the other hand, I have not as much experience with it because I grew up on the West Coast going to the Disneyland Resort. However, I was lucky enough to meet Michelle early <laughs> enough and get together. And she took me out to there when it still was the Disney MGM Studios. Right, and we've had a lot of fun since then, and we've really enjoyed how that park has developed. Uh, we miss some of the things that aren't there anymore, but we're certainly always having a good time when we're out there. Yeah, we love the studios. We visit it every time we go uh, travel to the parks. A lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, probably, I know you're a hashtag always MGM, but my favorite memory, and I think it might be Michelle's as well, mm-hmm. took place when it was actually Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that is when we got to go on the Star Wars guided tour at the studios. Because yeah. we're big Star Wars nuts i mean and we got to go early on it it like literally had just began like days before we got there so we were on one of the first people to be able to go on it right i mean we could even tell from our tour guides that they were trying out new things that they had just done on a prior one or two uh tours before us so it was fun getting to start that ball rolling and be a part of that and and so I think that even though it was a more recent memory it's still something very important to us and something definitely that we cherish yeah so much and uh, we just had a great time we got to explore so much more about Star Wars within the parks the reason as to why Star Wars is the way it is in the parks especially different ever since Disney acquired Lucasfilm it was so different in many regards and we just got we got to go uh, have some great spots to go see these shows got to do a backside tour of uh, Star Tours we got to go kind of in the secret way to get in there and we got the dessert party which was involved in it during that time and of course the fireworks spectacular which was great as well yeah it was you know it was one of those things that we weren't really expecting too much out of it and just kind of going in to check it out and it really blew us away and it's something that we would still recommend today for people to enjoy especially if you're a big star wars fan yes absolutely unfortunately i think it might be going away with the opening of star wars galaxy's edge but we had a great time with it this is where we're going. You know, we're we're three and a half months away from the opening. Right around the corner. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It'll be here before you know it. It's been 
almost 30 years of Star Wars being in that park. Mm-hmm. As I said, you know, I, after Return of the Jedi in 83, I went like through a G.I. Joe phase and then, uh, and then a wrestling phase that's still going. That's still going. Yeah. That's, <laughs> still that hasn't go- stopped. <laughs> still going. Mm-hmm. It was very big and then, and, and, and it's still as big as it was. Uh, and then, you know, seeing Star Tours and really coming out of there and going into the shop mm-hmm. <laughs> after. Into, yeah. I think it was the Endor Traders at the time. Now it's tattooing trains. I don't know what it is. Fact check. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, you know, it really brought me back around to Star right. Tours and has continued on here. Now also running neck and neck with wrestling. Right. Um, where where is the park headed with Star Wars? Is it gonna is it really gonna take over our lives like we think? Is it gonna change the park forever as we know it? Where do you see the future of hashtag always MGM? And you can you can include uh, hashtag Save the Muppets in your commentary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All of those things. Um. Said. Yeah. I. I. I think. Galaxy's Edge is going to be insanity. It's going to be insanity in terms of everyone visiting. It's going to be insanity of what it is and what it just bringing Disney to a whole new level mm-hmm. of the attractions and the interactive experience and all. I just think it's, it's we're about to go to a whole new level with it. And I don't want to hype it up. And then I don't think we're going to be disappointed. Like, I really don't think anyone is going to walk into galaxy's edge and go, huh? No, no. I was hoping for something better than this. I don't think that's happening. And I know like with toy story land opening, people are like, Oh, it's small. And I never felt like it was small walking into it. I wasn't disappointed. And maybe that's because I heard it was small. So I, I expected worse than well, I thought. talking oh, no. about the expansion. They announced the new right. restaurant today with the barbecue. Yes. So I, I, but I think they're going all in on Galaxy's Edge, and I think it's just going to be crazy. Now the rest of the park, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I want to save the Muppets. I want more Muppets. That would be mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I do like your idea of, you know, circling it around and you expand Indiana Jones a little bit. You, I do like yeah. those ideas. I do, do, I do also like the Disney Junior area, just as a parent speaking, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Disney Junior is, you know, just such a big part of kids' lot. you know, for little ones. Right. When you leave Magic Kingdom, there's not a ton out there. You know, in Epcot, they got Nemo. So I think that's that area for like true little kids. Mm -hmm. I think the Disney Junior area is huge. So I would love to see something stick Mm -hmm. around for little ones. Um, But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I know they're just sort of concentrating on this now. So I I do want to, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, basically my suggestion is my recommendation. Yeah, is uh, you know the 1940s Hollywood entrance there. You know, as it does already, kind of it it, it blends into the Indiana Jones area, so expand that area. Mm-hmm. You know, where where the uh, Frozen area and ABC Comets area and that whole area to the sci-fi. Like, I feel like you could do a whole big Muppets area all the way down to Star Tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's your whole, a whole Muppets area. 
and then Star Wars and then Toy Story Land if I'm doing it like a clock going clockwise and then where Rock and Roller Coaster is and, and maybe even a little bit behind the Disney Junior area mm-hmm. is where you can get a little Marvel in there over time right. trying to figure out what the IP situation is that you're going to see like Toy Story Land and and a potential Marvel Land in my brain mm-hmm. kind of go together right you know and I should say that last week I talked about like Tony Stark's Tomorrowland everyone shouldn't freak out it's just like <laughs> when I see something be stagnant for a long time I yeah long a long Long. time a very long time i go what what are they what are they waiting for here right so uh, that's why i think that but i do think where the rock and roller coaster area now is like a car's land i feel it's very hodgepodgey right now yeah eventually they're gonna want to shore that up into some kind of land right um and then uh you know we'll 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 see what absolutely can't change about the studios like what would like now they've in. done so much already. <laughs> Don't change Muppet Vision 3D, 4D. Don't change that. That's like the last thing that's truly just would just rip my heart from my chest. They could take Star Tours, but or do you want? Is it okay to move Star Tours? It's okay to move your- Star Tours. I don't love the idea of it just for nostalgic purposes, but it makes more sense to move it mm-hmm. closer to mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge and but keep. Vision. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, hopefully, I, I'm what, you know, the Grand Avenue area blending into the Muppets area gives me a little hope. Right. You know, how they treat Pizza Rizzo does not give me hope. But, right. uh, you know, hopefully they figure something out there. Yeah. And it, it really is going to depend on the Muppets hitting something big, you know, mm-hmm. either on the Disney Plus or right. time will tell. True. I mean, they did rename it allegedly. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't call it Hollywood Studios, but they did rename it to Hollywood Studios. And we did speak that in the beginning, it brought us into the movies. And I just hope they remember that and they think of a new way to bring everyone into the movies with this park. Like, I just, Mm -hmm. I hope they figure that out because I think they kind of lost themselves a bit with it. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see it. Now let's go back into that. You're you're creating pretty big things in this park now, so let's mm-hmm. have that whole immersive movie experience again that we felt. Well, Tom and Michelle left us with a little bit of advice uh, at the end of their recording uh, as you're leaving the park, and maybe you need this advice now more than ever with a yeah. gondola station yeah, and maybe a Star Wars hotel in the future. Right. Maybe, maybe a whole parking situation is... Yeah is about to uh is about to be greatly affected so let's have uh, tom and michelle provide this little anecdote before we get out of here we wanted to make sure and bring this memory out because we didn't want to share michelle's memory of her parking escapades when it was hashtag always mgm (laughs) no we're you said we weren't going to talk about that oh come on one more memory that we can add. That is super in. embarrassing. You got to talk about it. You got to oh, tell them the one memory about the parking garage just before we go away. All right. Well, with the very first time that I went to Disney MGM Studios, it was very new 
Park that had opened. And I was very fortunate to have the opportunity to share the experience uh, with my nephew and and his um, girlfriend. They had actually rented a car and picked me up at the resort. And we drove over there to the parking lot. And I had never been there before. So I wasn't really paying attention to how they were naming you know, each of the sections of the parking lot. And um, we, I just know that I was remembered telling them things about it, you know, what we were, what I had read we were going to see, et cetera, and just so excited about that, you know. So as we got out of the car, the rental car, and we were, were walking down, it's like, oh, that's right, before we get on the tram, got to figure out where we're at. And I see an H at the end of the row. And I'm like, okay, so we're in row H, you know, and again, we're talking and everything like that. So that night when we left the park after it, you know, we stayed the whole time till it closed, um, came to the realization H stood for handicap, which they have on every row. <laughs> and so here we were trying to walk around and figure out, wait a minute, where were we when we came in and we're looking for a rental car? <laughs> and we did find out how wonderful the uh, security crew is at Disney World and how they can really help you find your missing car. And it surprisingly didn't take all that long. But, uh, yes, very embarrassing. Uh, it showed that multitasking or multi-talking is not a good thing when you're first parking your vehicle for the first time at a Disney park. And there's Michelle's tip of the day. <laughs> Don't assume the H at the end of the aisle is the actual name of the aisle where you're parking. So. I know. I should have known because I thought, wow, that's really not creative, <laughs> you know. And I thought, well, maybe they're still working on something and they're going to come up with real names. But, okay, they just went with the alphabet. That's fine. I love that story so much. I, I had to, I had to <laughs> no, make sure she so shared it. It's so great. So. <laughs> Frank, Jen, thank you again for inviting us to be a part of this yes, and part of your show. Honored. We love Theme Park Thursday and hashtag always MGM. Uh, you guys are great. We love you guys. Thanks for letting us be a part. And have a magical day. Not sound advice. You ever lose a car in the parking lot? Have you ever lost your car? Oh, sure. Oh, really? I mean, I don't know for like too long where I really truly didn't know, but I've lost it for a good chunk of time. Yeah. Especially, I mean, the rental cars, they're all the same. You got, you know, if you get a white rental car, like, forget it. You, you're searching every aisle. You see that car in every single <laughs> aisle. And um, so I've definitely lost them for a bit of time. Your but, Kia Soul. Is just, yeah, you know. But uh, I, I think we, we momentarily lost our car at uh, MetLife Stadium for WrestleMania 29. But oh. that's another story for another time. That's another podcast. So it's a a hashtag everything is wrestling Wednesday episode. That's right. Right there. We have a lot of plugs here. Yeah. I'm going (laughs) to, we're going to line up all the plugs on our way out the door. So you're not going to get your normal end credits here. You're going to get a bunch of of plugs first before we go, but we want to thank everyone who sent along their hashtag always MGM memories, Monday morning monorail podcast, part of our world podcast, the Hyperion adventures podcast, the Disney podcast and Disflix and tidbits. Here come the plugs. Until next week, a bye-bye. Deuces.
Hey there, podcast fans. I'm Cassie, and I'm the host of Disflicks and Tidbits, my solo movie podcast about Disney Company movies from the past, present, and coming soon, and all the little extras, movie news, and experiments on nostalgia in between. Come for the childhood memories, stay for the deep dive into your favorite movies. New episodes every Wednesday. Tune in to Disflicks and Tidbits. Subscribe for free everywhere podcasts are found. The Disnoids Podcast on Podbean, or if you want to just follow me on Twitter, it's at Disnoids Pod. Come on over, listen to our random ramblings, and join us on our episodic adventures. We would greatly appreciate it. Deuces! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail. And Samantha Monorail. Every Monday morning, along with our kids. Not always. But sometimes. We take you back to the happiest place on Earth with news. Upcoming events. Sometimes rumors. And tasty treats. (laughs) Of course, tasty treats. We even occasionally help you plan your next trip to the Walt Disney World Resort. Every episode, now including a Disney deep dive with the Dawes, with Landon the Dawes Dome. So listen and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And enjoy the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. If you're interested in checking out our show, we can be found at partofourworld.podbean.com. And of course, you can communicate with us on Twitter at P-O-O-W Podcast. The Hyperion Adventures Podcast. Everything Disney for every fan. Hey, Disney fans. I'm Tom. And I'm Michelle. We're a couple of giant bi-coastal Disney fans. That's right. I grew up with the Walt Disney World Resort. And I grew up with the Disneyland Resort. Yep. We met, fell in love, and joined our Disney-loving families. That's right. And each week, we share that love with all of you. Whether it's about the Walt Disney World Resort. Or the Disneyland Resort. We have a lot of fun and bring you news, tips, and strategies to help you on your next Disney vacation. Yep. Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, and Disney Vacation Club as well. And don't forget about all the Disney movies. We'll spend some real quality time together. Pixar. Go Infinity. And beyond. Marvel. We're in the end game now. Star Wars. Force is strong. We love it all. There's only one thing we love more than all of that. What's that, sweetie? Sharing every bit of it with each one of you. Oh, yeah. So check out the Hyperion Adventures podcast, everything Disney for every fan. Find us and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Love you. Love you. Love Love Disney. Disney. Theme Park Thursday with Dillo's Diz featuring Frank Cardillo and Jen Cardillo Snyder. The theme was composed by Matt Harvey. The Dillo's Diz fact checker is Mel Dell. The intro and outro was performed by Lindsay Zarugian. Give Dillo's Diz a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dillo's Diz. You can follow Dillo's Diz on Twitter and Instagram at Dillo's Diz. You can watch videos at the Dillo's Diz YouTube page. Go to lifeisbutatheme.com and you can go to dillosdiz.com for blogs, archives, throwbacks, and more. Dillosdiz.com. A salute to all theme parks, but mostly Walt Disney World or to Disney kids growing old at Dillo's Diz.
And uh, we know this is a tough day for you because people are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Hollywood Studios, but we're all going to get through this together. And, and it's also a tough day because Frank forgot to take his meds. Take your pills, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> get one of them plastic things. <laughs> the Improviser's Guide Network 2019.